It's Angel Encounters here on Swedenborg Live. So great to have y'all joining us as we see if we can't, you know, see life as it actually is and watch that improve our experience of life. I'm here, I'll be your host. My name is Curtis Childs and I'm honored to get to do that with all of you. And with me on the computer or on your phone is gonna be a really great selection of, of awesome people to conversate with. So would you all just chime in for a second and, and let everyone know who and what you are? Hey there, I am Cara Dom, the Latin consultant and the one of the team members that responds to your comments. Happy to be here. Hello, I'm Karen Childs, community manager and writer, and I'm so glad to be back. I was absent for a few weeks because we were moving from Southeast Michigan to Illinois, but now we're settled and I'm happy to be here. All right. Nice, and I'm Chelsea Odner, a writer for Swedenborg and Life. Okay, so everybody, maybe this is your first time, so I'll tell you how to play the game. Go into the chat uh, on YouTube and write in questions, and we will answer them. We will try. You'll actually see us in a moment get, get a second shot at answering a question we couldn't quite answer last time. So that will be a good sense of closure and, and good setup for all of you to realize, oh, I may not get a full answer the first time around. Hey, if you want to support us, we're a not-for-profit. And we're not actually, you know, not to spill the beans, but we're not going to be here the next couple of weeks. So we've got to make a real impact here today. We've got a stretch goal, dum-dum-dum. We want to try to raise $393 during this podcast. Can we do it? And if we do, that money goes to supporting all this programming, but also as a little immediate thank you, we'll tack an extra 15 minutes of pure Q&A bliss on the end of this program. So again, $393, go to offtheleftout.com slash donate. You'll see the thermometer go up. We'll thank you on air. It's gonna be really good. That 393 is in honor of our, our related quote today, which is secrets of heaven, 393. It goes like this. Let let the, okay. Let's get out of our natural mode of thinking into our spiritual mode of thinking. What do we got here? The people of the earliest church were such that they acknowledged no other faith than faith from love. Heavenly angels are the same way. It was foreseen though that the human race would not maintain this character, but would split faith off from love for the Lord, and make it into a doctrine of its own. So it was also provided that faith would indeed be split off, but in such a way that through it or through a knowledge of it. The Lord would give us a heart for charity. In this way, knowledge or hearing the message would come first. Then through that knowledge or hearing the Lord, hearing the Lord would give us the gift of charity. That is love for our neighbor and mercy. There's our compass. Why are we trying to learn all this material? It's so that God can get our stubborn hearts to open up to a little bit of a love for our fellow human beings. Okay, so um, let's. Take a listen to the pulse of the community before we take these new questions, because every week we put out a little question to you, and we we like to hear your responses to it uh, before we go into our own. So let's get our mood set again. This is a question that we, we put out. Can you recall a time when you felt that you received some kind of message or guidance that led to positive changes in your life, which is right related to this quote? When did something you learned or, or that was put on you uh, make something good. So Karen, what did people have to say? Here are a few of the wonderful answers that came in. Uh, one said, just recently discovered an emotion greater than love. It's home. That's cool. Just that hmm. feeling of being where you belong. Literally every day I am guided. Sometimes it is as simple as remembering how very blessed I am through my home life, friends, and work. 
when so many are struggling, especially in our crazy mixed up world right now. Cool, gratitude always gets us there. Boarded a train, heavy heart going home when I heard, I do not expect you to socialize with child abusers. Can I just say the weight of one of my burdens was lifted? What a journey. God speaks to many modern day prophets. Truth, love, light. Thank God for off the left eye. Wow. I suffer with depression and the Lord spoke to me once. I wrote, I'm done with you. And, and I tried to commit suicide. Then woke to the Lord stating, you might be done with me. I am not done with you. I believe it was the Lord who spoke and kept me alive 18 years ago. Wow. That's amazing. Yes, many years ago, I was whining because I thought my Christian life wasn't going anywhere. I was on a boat and saw a child who was so tiresome because he was just screaming and whining and his mother didn't do anything. And then it struck me. I was that kid. <laughs> Afterwards, I tried to be more grateful. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Glass house. Yes. <laughs> I know to be loud and yell, but without the anger. At rare times when I had felt anger, I got a snapshot of the representation of, of how anger pulls the possibilities of bad things entering my reality if I continue to feed that energy. It is like the idea of where the momentum of feeding that vibration can direct my life. I feel blessed to be able to capture such spiritual messages. Yeah, that's a great insight that came. And finally, this one. Many years ago, when my life was a real struggle, I prayed to God while walking to my car. Dear God, I'm close to the limit of how much more I can take now. You have to give me a sign. Show me you are there because soon I can't take anymore and my children need me. Please give me hope and strength. Then I opened the door, sat down in the car and started the engine. Immediately, the radio started playing and the volume was really high. The first words I heard were Mariah Carey singing, there is an answer if you reach into your soul. I just sat there listening to the whole song while tears of wonder, hope, and happiness ran down my cheeks. This moment was life-turning for me. I've always believed in God. After that, I more than believe. Wow, yeah, sometimes a song on the radio can really feel very personal, like a personal messages. That's awesome. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thanks so much for, for opening up about that. If you want to hear Chelsea and I discuss the very same thing, answer that question. Uh, we have our episode of Inside Off the Left Eye podcast coming out this Sunday, which is Christmas edition, a happy Christmas for Swedenborg in 1749. Yeah, how could you miss it? Okay, this now we our first question, as I said, is going to be a holdover from last week. I'm a little nervous about this because it's, I like setting the bar really low and not having people expect that their question will be fully answered. But this time in the interim, a question that we took a few shots at, but didn't have any, you know, some real research in front of us. Chelsea has gone and dug up a few more facts about this. So this just to remind everyone, this was from Witch of the Wildwood last week who asked, does Swedenborg mention anything about menstruation? I know in the Bible, it says a woman is unclean because she menstruates. What might be the meaning of that. So yeah, Chelsea, what did you find to augment our, our answer-ish that we did last week? Yeah, well, I was just so curious to know, like, well, what does Swedenborg say about it? Um, and like, what could I look up to see about that, um, you know, uncleanness, because which we did talk about last week, how there's 
so many things are called unclean um, in in Leviticus and but like does Swedenborg talk specifically about the you know menstruation and how and how a woman is unclean and what does that mean um, and I found one instance and this might be the only instance I didn't like do a huge search but um, this one main instance we're lucky to have it because it comes from this story of when Jacob is leaving Laban, um, this is in the book of Genesis in chapter 31, I think. Um, and he has his two wives, Leah and Rachel, and he's sort of running away from Laban with his family and his livestock and everything. And Rachel steals her dad's gods, like these figurines. Um, and Laban comes to look for them and she hides them under herself. And Laban isn't allowed to find them because she says, I'm in the way of women, so sorry, you can't touch me or anything that I'm touching because we're unclean. So um, so first of all, I think that's such a hilarious instance of, you know, Rachel using the whole fact that menstruation is considered unclean to her advantage um, in this situation. But uh, so Swedenborg, he, you know, his book Secrets of Heaven goes through all the chapters of Genesis. And so since Rachel says how... Um, for the way of women is upon me. That's how she puts it to her dad, Laban. Um, Swedenborg says, what does this verse mean? And so uh, here's what he says. It's from Secrets of Heaven 4161. And he says, for the way of women is upon me means that as yet there were they were among things that were unclean. This is clear from the meaning of the way of women as uncleanness. But now here, here's where it gets the spiritual level. He says, interior truths are said to be among things that are unclean when they are among facts which do not as yet correspond, that is, which are not in harmony with them. Such things are removed when a person is being made clean, that is, when being regenerated. And so to me, what I get from that is that, you know, the whole, it makes so much sense that the cycle of menstruation is really a picture of our regeneration and that we're in this constant evolution of, you know, especially the nature of truth, like interior truth. There's truths that work for us for a time in our spiritual life. And then they kind of get let go of, you know, you have to let go of things that no longer serve you. And then in their place, you build up a new, you know, sort of cache of truth that is going to help you in your next phase. And then those ideas change, you know, there's this just cyclical element of our spiritual growth and, um, and so it's not so much about this uncleanness rather than this ongoing process of becoming clean, of becoming regenerated. And so this turnover that naturally happens. So I thought that was such an interesting um, insight to get and was excited to get to kind of follow up with everybody here to, to you know, uh, touch on it again and answer, give a little more context for which of the Wildwoods question. Cool. Sure. Yeah, I love it. That, that's, that's cool, and and a great example of the the magic of correspondences. That what what this confusing weird story? What does it mean? And then of course, oh, that makes sense. Actually, that makes sense. It's, it's like emotionally fulfilling, and it points toward this good picture of life. So cool. Thanks so much, Chelsea, and uh, Witch of the Wildwood. Hope you enjoyed that. If you're if you're back, or if you see this, if not, the rest of you tell tell the witch we said hello. Okay. <laughs> so our next question is from Sean Smith, who asks. I've been trying to explain to someone very important what love really is. And it seems she wants to cling to doctrine. 
Question. We were just talking about this. This is a very on topic. Question. Will the ego always lash out when exposed? Mm. So why aren't, you know, you'd think it's love. It's love, right? Every, it's so great. There's love. Why does Swedenborg have to harp on it so much that, that love is what should drive things in, instead of uh, knowledge or ideas? Um, yeah. What, what? How does that strike everybody? I'll, I'll leave it at that. Karen, you want to give us a, a, an opening salvo? Um, the phrase uh, lashing out um, makes me think of we all, well, yeah, just like Chelsea was talking about, we go through this cycle throughout our lives of holding on to um, a certain way of understanding life and understanding truth. And that serves us for a while, but we are supposed to keep upgrading that, keep, uh, you know, like letting go of ideas in favor of deeper ideas and things. Um, but that is often, it's interesting that menstruation is not a pleasant <laughs> week of our lives as women. Um, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to let go of ideas that you have, that have been uh, informing you how to live and how life is as, as far as you understand. And so it is, if a person isn't ready to let go of, of a certain way of thinking, there is going to be a reaction. And yes, it is, it is an ego reaction because we, we hold on to, um, you know, a certain way of understanding and we, our ego doesn't like to let go of that because it's become attached. Um, and yet we all have to realize that we all have to like be open to like, okay, maybe, uh, the way I'm understanding it, there might be more <laughs> or there, I might need to go deeper at some point. And we do need to be, um, continually being ready to sort of, um, shed one way of understanding things and, and go a little deeper. Um, so I, I would say it is a natural reaction and that we all do it. And, and if someone is, um, reacting, uh, negatively to some ideas you're offering, um, that would mean she's not ready, um, for whatever reason. And, yeah, I think God really understands that with us too. Like it, it understands that it doesn't work to sort of push us out of our old way of thinking. Um, the timing has to be right, but that, but you still can offer and um, those seeds can stay in the mind of any person you're talking to. And who knows later that person might be ready and, and won't be reactive to it. So there's some thoughts. We love the seed imagery that things of the mind are complicated and slow moving, like trying to get something to grow. And I think I have a special insight into that metaphor being a not very good gardener. It's tough to get anything to grow. And it takes like this year, didn't make much progress next year. I made a little bit and I took a step back. So that's how uh, the mind is. Hey, before we kick it to the next person, I wanna say thanks to John. John made a donation. We are now 12% of the way to our goal. It can be done. Our stretch goal, the impossible goal. They laughed at us for making this goal. <laughs> so much. Either way, John, your contribution is going to go towards making our programming possible. So thanks so much. Go to offtheleft.com slash donate if you want to help us get there. So yeah, other thoughts, Chelsea? Um, yeah, the... Uh... I mean, I just love what Karen was saying. And I, so this might be thinking about it from a slightly different angle, but um, cause I don't know exactly like, uh, yeah, if this will feel relevant, but it does, it's what comes to mind when I think about will the ego always lash out when exposed. And 
Um, and I think, yes, like that, that is probably just the case because something that, you know, like as Swedenborg calls it, are that, that sense of self, like our lower self, that sort of ego instinct, he'll call it our proprium that when it sort of acts of its own accord, um, it, that lashing out is it's, that's how it knows how to operate. <laughs> you know, it doesn't know how to do anything else, but as we, uh, you know, like, so I guess even Swedenborg says, you know, even angels get that ego stuff kicked up in them, but there's an awareness that's there with it. That isn't just, you know, there's like, a people talk about the importance of pausing and having a practice of pausing because it helps us learn that we can have this impulse, you know, to lash out or something, but then we learn how to grow that the space between an impulse and whether we choose to act on it or not. And, um, and so I think of our whole process is, you know, I might, that we don't need to shame ourselves or something that we've been, you know, spiritually working on ourselves or whatever for years. And, you know, a decade down the road, we're still having the same kind of knee jerk reaction when somebody does something a certain way or presses our buttons or something like all of those same thoughts are usually right at the ready to kind of come out. Uh, but, but we can, you know, just pause and have that not mean necessarily that that's true, that that's going to inform the way we're going to act in this moment or whatever, you know, so eventually our, the ego might always be lashing out sort of inside, but it doesn't have the power over us to drive our actions necessarily. And so that, that we sort of learn, oh yeah, this is my sense of self kind of doing its thing that it knows how to do best. And, uh, but I'm going to, you know, mitigate that with these other ideas that are going to help me. Oh yeah, this is how I want to engage in a relationship or, you know, et cetera. And that we're kind of on is learning how to work with that. There's a quote by, you know, some, some Zen master, I don't know their name, but uh, the best way to control cow and sheep is to give them a big field to graze in. Uh, I, I feel <laughs> like that, that fits here that you're, you're, you're making the very reasonable assertion that if you expect yourself to have there, I have no ego reaction when someone questions something that I hold dear, it's unrealistic, but it's more about what you're saying, which I love, which is, okay, that's there. And I notice it and I can just try to hold the reins a bit, you know, enough that I'm not going to ruin this relationship or something. So I love it. Cara, do you have any thoughts about the whole thing? My thoughts are directed to the first half of the comment um, <laughs> about doctrine so I guess Sean means um, previously held uh, ideas of what her faith is or whoever this person is, what, what faith is. Um, but in the Swedenborg world, the top of the doctrine is that God is love itself. And um, that's what he created us for, for him to be able to love us and for us to be able to love each other. So you just could say that it, that love is a doctrinal point <laughs> in some, you know, in some constructions. <laughs> That's right. They don't put love in a, a second category. It's the yeah, best. It's, it is the doctrine. It is the it. great commandment. Um, I, I want to uh, add. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yep. I wanted to add one thing. Um, as a moderator for many years on the channel, um, I've come to recognize that if someone is um, 
very uh, reactive to some ideas we're sharing or something and and is clinging to some doctrine um, that I, it helps me to remember that they feel safe in this doctrine and might feel threatened by, <laughs> you know, uh, suggestion to let that go. And, and so that just helps me understand them better and, and be, you know, less frustrated or, or more patient and more understanding that this is something dear to them and feels very safe. And it could feel scary to, to be encouraged out of that, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about too. Um, I feel like my ego will lash out for one of two reasons by if, if you're introducing an idea that I don't like. Either it's because that idea is threatening my sense of intelligence and, and being right. If you're saying I'm wrong on something and there's sort of a self-centered, well, you, that's not right because I didn't say that. Uh, or but the other hand is I will react if I feel like an idea is dangerous to something that's good. I was just watching a documentary about Scientology. Have any of you guys seen this? It's um, the Leah Remini from King of Queens used to be in Scientology and now she's out and I don't know any Scientologists. I don't know, but she's saying like this was a very like oppressive, abusive organization. And when you get out of it, your family and friends won't talk to you. And there was a guy like they interviewed somebody who had been in there and he was saying that, yeah, his mom won't talk to him even though they'd like just had their first grandchild because he left the organization and she believes that her eternity is at stake if she talks to him because he's out of the church and that's wrong so so in that regard you can have people who are worried oh because we've we on this channel we get it all the time we will tell people look hell is a, a state of mind that you're choosing god does not condemn you there and some people think that's really dangerous because what if we're wrong and god really sends us to hell so it could be like uh that there's they believe that because there's some pretty serious threats that religions make. So it, it's a really scary thing to leave. Um, even myself sitting here really feeling like Swedenborg's picture of God is, is just what matches up with reality. It's gotta be true. Every once in a while, I get this wave of like, wow, I hope there's not really that angry God and I'm on the wrong side of it. It's just, a, I think that's why it's such a potent tool of control is because it's the most terrifying thing you can imagine. So there, it could be, I guess I'd say that there's a, there's a ego, but there's also a, like a zeal or a good reason to, if you genuinely believe that's a dangerous idea, you'll lash out as well. And you, you don't always know the difference. So somebody can be either sick. You know, if you think about the, the categories Jesus gives of uh, hungry, lonely, sick, whatever the, when he talks about, I was, I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me. Swedenborg says that's about all the different states we can be in. So we can be sick where we believe evil, like we, we have an ego around ourselves and that's why we lash out. Or we can be prisoners, which is trapped in these ideas that we think are true, even though we have a good heart. So you can't know at first, like, is it from a good heart or from a selfish heart or, or anything in between? So, okay, let's, uh, let's do another one. It's going great. Um, go to youtube.com. I mean, youtube.com slash donate go to off the left eye.com slash donate help us make our stretch goal uh last goal of 2020 uh you know let us do what we do okay so this is uh from viabib dablu who asks please guide how to get an answer from god for example whether to go for a particular business deal or not thanks in advance if we get this right we get a cut of this deal <laughs> 
So what, what can we get that? I mean, that would be nice. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, Karen. Oh, okay. I'll just get things started. Um, wouldn't we all love to just get told exactly what to do <laughs> when there's decisions ahead? And there, there can be times in life where you kind of feel like you get a pretty strong message. But I think from what I understand, the way things are designed, most of the time when there's decisions like these, um, particularly about sort of, um, um, you know, earthly practical things, we are not going to be given a direct answer from God because we are supposed to engage our own rationality and discernment. That's part of our spiritual development to look at things and, um, you know, think about our ethics and our principles and practical things and use that ability that God has given to go ahead and make a decision. And the other thing is in any decisions about what to do in business or, or personal life or whatever, um, I find it helpful to never worry about, is this the exact, exact right decision? Um, it Just look at it as a decision that you're going to make as best you can, you know, it, um, researching everything possible, and then trust that God's going to guide you. You just take a step and um, trust that God's going to unfold it as it goes. And it, it, brings to mind the story in the book of Exodus of the children of Israel come to the Red Sea and they're told to cross this sea, but it's just this big body of water. And God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel to go forward before they know how it's going to work. And when they start walking forward, then the sea parts. And so I always think of that in terms of when I'm not sure what to do, um, you know, definitely pray and ask for guidance and everything, but then just go forward as best you can and trust that God's going to um, be unfolding it as you go along. If you're, if you don't <laughs> feel some certain guidance. Good, good practical advice. And, and really, you know, yeah, we, you can't always get it laid out exactly like you want, but there you've got a formula that allows you to feel like, well, I've, covered my bases here. So that gives us some confidence going in. Chelsea. Um, yeah, I similarly was thinking of it in terms of like, I feel like there's a decision making pro like the decision, how we make a decision is more important than the decisions we make, you know, and what we, uh, the, the process that we go through, because, you know, the Lord's, the Lord can work with us, no matter what our decisions are, and is always sort of helping us, uh, grow spiritually through that. And so in terms of, um, you know, how to get, and similarly, even when, even when we don't know what we're doing, kind of like what Karen was saying, uh, if we don't, we're not sure what to do, but we can, we're about to take some action. We can, you know, pray for the Lord's will to be done and then go and do this thing and whatever it is, know that maybe this is going to work out or not, but it's going to the Lord's will is going to take care of how it, of how it unfolds, like Karen was saying. And, um, but one of the things, some ideas that help me, um, in, in that process, because it's like, well, how do we, how do we know what the Lord's will is? And we don't, you know, we won't know the specifics, but we can know, are we in alignment with what, um, with what the Lord cares about, you know, and with, uh, like, 
what we understand the Lord's will to be in, in sort of big picture ideas. And um, so one element is like, uh, can we, can we do this thing and have a clean conscience? You know, like, does it in any way go against what gives me a sense of, you know, this is fine. You know, if, we, if it's going out of bounds, then like probably not the deal to make. Um, and, uh, and is it, and is it useful? You know, how is it, um, what is the use that it could serve in the world or not? And, um, and then also kind of a, one that might take some time of reflection is really where are my intentions coming from with this business deal? Like, and there might be a whole mix of stuff going on inside about, well, it does forward my, you know, uh, whatever career or whatever, whatever it is. But, um, you can, if you can sort of even pray for the Lord's help and like, help me be honest with myself about what am I really in this for? And even if there is gain for me involved in it, is it ultimately to serve a higher purpose? Um, and if so, then great, you know, like that's something, uh, the Lord can work with. Um, and, and so then, and the one other element to all this that I find so fascinating that really helps me in my life is this interesting stuff that Swedenborg says about how, like, to try to hold the goals that we have, like kind of lightly when we get really caught up in a conviction that we have of like, this is the way things have to be. We can kind of easily end up going off track with what the Lord really wants to have happen or the way Providence would have, you know, would ideally have things unfold. And so there's sort of this element of like, I want to do this, but let's see if the Lord opens a way for it, you know? And if, and if I'm finding myself up against a lot of resistance, then or something like there's just a an interesting, you know, intuitive way to work through feeling out those like moment by moment. Is this something to push for or not? And and ultimately kind of let go of the outcome, you know, like that it's all the Lord's work anyway. So <laughs> like it's not it's not up to what I make happen or something. So hope those thoughts are helpful. Yeah, because then no matter what the outcome is, you've made some spiritual progress you know, in, in your ability to navigate an uncertain life. Cara. Yeah, that's, that was my thought too, was um, these, these kinds of decisions are just a great opportunity for us to exercise our own, building our own sense of who we are, um, establishing what our values are, what would be an integrity for us. So it's just one of those learning curves. Every decision like that is one of the learning curves on finding out who you are in your spirit and what your relationship with God is. So I think, I think that God does speak to us inside, but it's not always easy to hear that voice. I mean, it, it takes all these processes and, and, and thought experiments and things to figure it out sometimes. Excellent. Yeah, we just got to, got to, walk through it and, and see what we pick up. I would say if it was me approaching that and I were to be trying to get myself into my highest frame of principles, how would I really want to approach this ideally? There's a couple of things that I would be trying to apply. One of them is I'm not making that decision. As much as it seems like I'm going to decide ultimately forces beyond you are going to make that decision. The whole human existence is, is set up to feel like, well, I've got to weigh this and now I weighed it and now I, but just the 
Swedenborg describes divine providence moving your thought processes, setting limits on where it can go. And ultimately, there is the decision. Providence is the real mover and shaker here. So, you know, to have some sense of like, well, I know that you'll you'll make the decision for me. And I, I find that that can actually alleviate some of the stress going into it. And, um, you know, right alongside that, it's a, it's a blind decision because none of us know what something's really going to lead to. I mean, the, the deal going the way you, you could take the deal and it could lead to some riches, but some negative spiritual stuff. You could take the deal. It could turn out poorly in an earthly sense, but really teach you something that is eternal spiritually. We just don't know. I mean, we, we don't know what we want and how, how many times have I really thought I wanted something that it wouldn't have been good for me to get at all. So the only thing, and I think this echoes what everyone was saying that we can really try to pick up in these situations is use your rationality to the best of your ability, knowing that God is making the decision and God is the only one who knows the outcome. So here's a chance to build spiritual muscles. That's the only thing we can know consistently that, that we can do. Great question, though. I mean, because how wouldn't it be so nice? Maybe, yeah. maybe eventually we get to that perception where God's really sort of tapping <laughs> yeah. you on the shoulder, turn left, turn right. Okay, yeah. so let's move to the next one. Hey, before we do, go to optoleftout.com slash donate. We're halfway through the show and we're only 12% of the way to our stretch goal. Are we going to make it? If, even if, don't be daunted by the total amount. If we don't make it there, your donation still goes just as far. And your, your next little gift may inspire the next person and so on and so on. Isaac Quay asks... What exactly did Moses refer to in his prayer in Psalm 90:12 when he said, "Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom." The beautiful oft-quoted verse. What is a heart of wisdom? Yeah, if I'm going to go around numbering my days, it better be worth it. What are we going to get out of this, Chelsea? Yeah, well, um it goes right with what we were just talking about where um wisdom and another quality Swedenborg sort of equates with true wisdom is innocence and how he defines that is um, a willingness to be led by the Lord. Like this, just giving it your all is, uh, you know, completely putting yourself in the Lord's hands and living your life in an alignment in that way is what um, wisdom is. And wisdom is the way of getting there. Um, And, and so, uh, in the Bible, it's kind of, there's so much talk about wisdom and what it means to be, um, to have a heart of wisdom. I'm thinking of, um, you know, in Proverbs and stuff, there's a long, uh, there's just so many different cool aspects where, and when you sort of take in the totality of it, this heart of wisdom is really just, is one that has that alignment with God's will and is really just, that's its one pointed focus and everything else is the, you know, to the periphery of that. Love it. Uh, a lot. Yeah. That, that, the, the alignment uh, on what's important is what matters. That's so cool. And so, so memorable. Hey, before we go to the next person, let's say thanks to Stephanie. Woo-hoo! Stephanie donated. We're now a quarter of the way to our <laughs> goal. So thank you so much. And no matter what your donation goes to helping these programs to happen. So anything, Kara uh, or Karen about, the heart of wisdom. What, what heart of wisdom are you trying to gain in, in, uh, in your life? Yeah, Karen. Hey, I uh, loved what Chelsea had to say about 
what a heart of wisdom means, you know, just uh, the kind of wisdom that um, informs us about the Lord's will and the Lord's love and how to bring that into life. And I just did a quick look up of what the number our days <laughs> meant, means, uh, teach us to number our days, because uh, I was curious about that. And Swedenborg learned that that means um, to number your days means to um, review your life and to let it allow it to be set into order by into the Lord's order. So it is uh, the verse is saying, you know, asking God to help us to look over our life and, um, you know, learn to prioritize, set things in order that aligns with the Lord's order, which it, which makes us wise because which makes us um, informed about the Lord's love and how to operate from that. I love that. I, I want to do that so bad. <laughs> look at look at my life and order it. I just crave that. And I guess this goes back to the, the business deal. I just craved some direct input. How do, how do I do that? What do I do? Do I move my dresser onto this wall over here? What am I going to do to order that? Um, set your life at divine order. And, I, and we do have the basic principles where you can say, okay, what are my priorities? All this sweet more stuff. That's so exciting to think that there is a potential way you could organize your life to harmonize with divine order, whatever that means, but I'm in. I want to do it. Let's do it. Okay, Kara, what, what do you think? Uh, the word, and I'm not sure if Chelsea um, said this or not because I was off of my own thoughts, but the word that comes to mind is humility, a humbleness. Um, again, just uh, us in relation to God's will and God's wisdom, putting ourselves in the right um, hierarchy there. Uh, in relation to what the Lord has to offer us. So humility and humbleness. And that's the, that's the starting point. I love it. That, that way is what makes us receptive of all the other instructions that would allow us to conform with whatever the order is looking for. So great. Uh, oh, that's a great question. Thanks so much, everyone, for your responses. And thanks to Julia, who gave. And yeah, we're up to 32% of our goal. I mean, it's happening. It's not important. <laughs> This is from Young at Heart, who asks, what does Swedenborg say about remorse? This, yeah, it's sort of a, a bit of a rarer bird to talk about remorse, but it can, it's really like a deep kind of, I think of like a string music kind of like cello with it. It's, it's an elegant sort of take on, on um, regret, right? Well, what is remorse and, and what does Swedenborg say? Cara? Well, that word remorse, uh, different uh, things along that line are coming to me. And one is that um, Swedenborg talks about spurious guilt. Um, so remorse is when you feel sorry about something you've done. Um, you know, you wish you hadn't done it, something like that. And his message about spurious guilt is that sometimes we um, like, oh, oh, and he talks about people being over conscientious and making themselves guilty of things that they, they don't need to be carrying guilt about. Um, I think part of that is just his, um, his setup that everything evil flows into us from hell, everything good flows, flows into us from heaven. We are not identified with either one of those things, you know, except for our choices are sort of navigating between them all the time. And so, um, and again, to me, it, it 
comes to falling back into the Lord's providence about um, this has been part of my journey. I'm, maybe there's a lesson to learn from whatever this thing is that I'm feeling remorseful about, but God has it in the big picture. Um, uh, so those are some scattered thoughts around the topic. <laughs> scattered, but scattered in the right direction because you've done a couple of things that I really Love and I'm glad that you started with this spurious conscience because how many people are pinned down by regretting things that they don't need to regret? And I use that in my my little head when I'm going around and feeling upset or guilt about something that I know is not really worth that. I will say, like false conscience. That's mm-hmm. and if I didn't have that concept that there is such a thing, because guilt seems like such a thing, such a un unlet go of, of a bowl uh, emotion because just if you have any goodness in your heart you feel like well I should pay attention to making sure I'm not doing something bad but to know that there are times when you are drawn to feel that way when it's not really something worth getting all tied up in knots about such a powerful concept yeah. other stuff Karen yeah I'm glad Kara started and you elaborated Curtis on that um negative kind of remorse that's that kind of takes over because so many people go through years of feeling an unhealthy kind of remorse that just burdens them and is not useful and uh, there's a there's a very healthy kind of remorse and an unhealthy kind of remorse and the healthy kind of remorse is just a feeling of regret that would make you determined not to do something again like you fully realize how it harm somebody, for instance. And I've read places where Swedenborg talks about in our spiritual journey and our spiritual purification, a feeling of remorse is crucial for letting go of something like, oh, I get it. That really did some harm or hurt somebody. I don't want it anymore. um, You need to have this um, aversion to something that's um, been in your habits or your, you know, something you've done, you have to have an aversion to it to really let go of it. Cause sometimes you can, oh, I'm not doing that anymore, but you don't think it's that bad. And so maybe it's going to crop up again. And if you have some remorse, that means you are letting go. But that said, the problem is hell wants to take us and just keep us forever in that remorse. <laughs> when as soon as we have genuine remorse, we are detaching from that tendency to do that thing. And so we don't need to stay in that remorse. We just have to hold in our, you know, our memory somewhere, which God does for us to remember. Yeah. I, I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore, but to go back over it and over it and feel those (laughs) guilt feelings again and again, that's not useful and that's unhealthy and that's not something that God wants. So the healthy remorse is just feeling enough that you get it like no I don't want to be that anymore and thus you really let go of it and then you let it go (laughs) you know like uh, it's just part of your wisdom now talking about wisdom like it's part of your wisdom that now I know something that I don't want to (laughs) be sometimes I mean remorse can feel pretty good or, or kind of exciting I find when it's the constructive kind There'll be attitudes or things I stood for or endorsed when I was younger that now I find, I say, I look at it and say, that's not cool to be like that. That's not good at all. And I'm glad that I don't like that anymore. Um, 
it's sort of exciting because you're focused. I, maybe one way we can slightly tell them apart is when you're focused on the good that's behind it. And no, like the, if you don't like speaking about people behind their back, you just think of how good it is for people to be able to trust each other and respect each other. And that's what you're excited about. And of course, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I disown the times that I did that. I don't want to do it rather than I can't believe that I am so bad. Cause it's really like a, still a self-focused thing. If you're focusing, I can't believe I'm bad. Yeah, you're bad. We're all bad. That's fine. I mean, we're all, we all are hereditary evil and we do things and you got stuff on your plate. That's not the issue. The issue is in the, in the end, what do we think is great? Do we, do we justify and defend our negativity or do we say no what's really good is what's fair and just to everyone there can be times when that's exciting and like yeah i'm glad that i'm clear on and now since i had this part of this evil i'd been doing i can be part of the solution by you know not standing for that anymore and making amends where i can but otherwise moving on and embracing uh, the opposite so hey um let's talk about natalie natalie donated and now we're all the way up to 38 percent of our goal we're feeling great. Thank you so much, everyone, for for the um, for you making the car go forward. I'm thinking, that's a pretty elegant metaphor, a car, you know, and like inching along, like gas, gas, or electricity. Okay, so um, let's let's uh, let's do another one. This is from Steve Willits, who asks, "I find it very easy to tell others what's right and wrong, but I haven't got a clue when dealing with myself. What am I missing?" Yeah, that's my specialty too. <laughs> so what what is it? Yeah, what's the difference between looking out at other people and looking at oneself? That's one thing. But also why is it why is it confusing to try to pin down what we should or shouldn't be remorseful about and that sort of thing? Yeah, where, where, did I see anyone? Oh, Karin, did you want to say something? Sure, I'll get it started. Yeah, well, you're in good company. That's a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's it's very easy to see what I think is not the, the right way to be in other people and much harder to see it in yourself um, most of the time. Um, but that's, that is the spiritual work of our lives. And, and it's a, it's a gradual process. And I would say you, um, to get started, um, I see it as um, learning as much as I can about what, uh, you know, from, from a biblical sense of, point of view, um, what are those 10 commandments really about? And so there's these 10 commandments, which are sort of these basic things that we need to watch out for and, and to not have in our lives. And there's some very obvious, uh, in meanings of like, don't, you know, don't kill, don't commit adultery, but there's deeper meanings. And Jesus actually, um, talked about some of those deeper meanings. And then when Swedenborg got this revelation, from the Lord, uh, even more. And so that is a, a whole lot of good information to reflect on in yourself. And to just take Swinburg says, just uh, look at taking one thing at a time, like just reflecting on, is there a way that I am doing this to somebody once you are realizing what these different commandments um, are really saying, because they're all just about like, don't harm other people. And of course that can include yourself too. Don't, don't harm yourself, don't harm other people. And so what are all those ways we can uh, purposely or inadvertently, uh, not on purpose, hurt other people and do harm? It's a gradual process of learning that. Kind of like with your body, you're gradually um, learning what um, harms it and what helps it. Um, you can be gradually learning what 
harms and helps your spiritual life, which is the same thing as um, what is harming or helping other people. And so it's a matter of learning what, um, what harm is, all the different facets of it, and then looking in on yourself and being honest about like, um, is there anywhere in my life that I'm doing that um, to myself or others? And just reflecting on that and taking one thing at a time. It's a gradual learning process. Gradual learning. Those are two, two key elements of it. There's a number somewhere in Swedenborg where he's talking about our love of self or our love of dominion or something. And he says, it does not want to be found. It, it like Maybe it's easier to see in other people because other people's evils don't know us as well as ours do. So they don't know how to disguise them in the way that we, we know it's our own stuff. Swedenborg talks about it like a, a spider in its web that grabs all these falsities to try to justify it. So of course, I'm not, I'm not mean, I'm just tired. I'm not mean, I just something. Uh, so it's, it is work. And, and to maybe that's part of the, the answer is to see it as, yeah, we don't have a clue, but that's because just like if, if I was like, I'm not in shape, why am I, why am I not in shape? Well, I gotta start working, gotta start working. Gotta start. So I, I've, I've been doing this like exercise video game and I'm on like day 114 and I definitely feel better now, but I didn't feel better on day two. You know, it, it does take uh, a lot of working. Um, other other thoughts or or, uh, or feelings or anything? All right, Chelsea, I think you're um, muted. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that Swedenborg does even spell out, you can search it in his works. I don't have on hand the exact number, but where he spells out what the steps of repentance are and he gives them, you know, lays them out as steps. And that's, uh, and that's like one of the things is, you know, it isn't, it isn't apparent to us, like Curtis was saying, um, you know, it's very easy to feel blind to our own issues. And so we kind of do need to go after it actively. And, and Swedenborg says that, you know, just a couple of times a year even is enough to like really be honest with yourself, sit down, go through some sort of a process where you do practice this kind of reflection where you, you, uh, you know, in the 12 steps, you talk about taking an inventory of yourself or something like just uh, what, what is what's going on and what's one issue that you could maybe look at work on um, like Karin was saying and uh, and just have that be your focus and um, in the kind of sort of Swedenborgian world so to speak like the people in the world who are doing a lot of programs and things have taken this this idea you know and turned it into a lot of different sort of offerings like um, having these spiritual growth groups where you take, you, you get, you just sort of given at random a task, a spiritual growth task, and you apply that to yourself and you work on that one thing. Like it kind of gives you something to focus on if you're having a hard time, like, well, where do I start? I'm not like actively going against any of the, you know, 10 commandments or something like that, but it's like, it gives you one sort of spiritual truth that how could I apply this to my life? And it just can be that little, um, you know, uh, process of, of maybe opening up to starting to see things that you didn't see before in your behaviors and just continuing on your path to connecting, um, with God. And I think 
So one of them's called choosejoynow.com. That's like a, or .org, I think, choosejoynow. But um, that's a cool whole collection of spiritual growth tasks. There's also something called New Church Journey, the Journey program, I think. And that has a whole great backlog of sort of um, things you can work on. Same with uh, the book that's called Rise Above It has specifically takes the Ten Commandments and turns them into a weekly little task for you to like help you think about how might I, you know, be a little more conscious around different issues in my life. So um, those are some thoughts. Resources. We, if it's real serious work, how do you do any real serious work? You've got to have programs. It's structure. Well, then I just a second ago saying I'm exercising because I've got this exercise video game that tells me what to do every single day. Ring Fit Adventure for the Nintendo Switch. So often. <laughs> every single day tells me do this exercise, run this. I'm keeping track of it. That is a big help, man. So, so to get these programs and figure out for you, what's going to keep you doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Here we are. It's, it's, uh, we got seven minutes left and we got a lot to raise to get to our goal. Is it going to happen? It won't unless you get on there off the left slash donate. We'll see if we can make our holiday stretch. Okay. Um, are we ready to take another question from Erica Lee? I yeah. think Karen had something you were going to say. Add another resource, beginanewlife.org, I think it's called. And but also take the simple golden rule. It's just a place to start and you can just going through your day, see if you notice anything you do that maybe you wouldn't like done to you. <laughs> so <laughs> this just, you know, it, you can start simple like that. Nice. That's great. Nice. Yeah. Just go try something on someone. And then like, I don't think I'd want that done <laughs> to me. Okay. Erica Lee asks, does Swedenborg speak about patience? All these years of spiritual progress. And I still feel like I'm waiting for a light that never comes. Does having little patience link up to a lack of stamina? How come we're putting in this work and it's like, I'm still, I think Chelsea, you mentioned something about this at the beginning of the show. I'm still okay. here, I'm still dealing with this stuff. So when, you know, if we're feeling a little antsy, like when is this stuff going to kick in? What, what, what advice can, can y'all give to that? Well, one thing that just comes to mind right off the bat is this verse that I don't remember. I don't remember the chapter and verse, but I know it says, let the weak ones say I am strong. Um, and I love that. Uh, flip on, you know, there's a lot of places in the Bible that subverts our sense of what, what are sort of the highest virtues of like strength and patience and stuff like that. When it's like, actually, it's totally okay. If you're feeling weak, you might be in a better place than you thought you were, you know, the meek and, you know, <laughs> I don't think it spells out impatient, but I hope it's in there because I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, the impatient will inherit the get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, so I don't think having little patient links up to a lack of stamina. I just think it's so natural that, yeah, there's a lot going on and it's hard to have patience with a lot of stuff. And, um, but that in itself is something to, you know, with all of these things, the first step is just having awareness of it without judging it, you know, like without making right or wrong, but just like, okay. I'm feeling impatient right now. <laughs> you know, what, is, what do I do with that? But uh, anyway, those are some initial thoughts. Yeah. And I think you saw me expressing some impatience earlier in this show. In Erica's question, it says, all these years of spiritual progress, and I still feel like I'm waiting for a light that never comes. And I'm reading that as 
I want to feel more spiritual or have things click into place more. And earlier in the show, I was saying, I want to know what does God want me to do in my life right now or this thing. It was terrible impatience. But the reason that I'm doing it is because I care and, and I really want it. So I think probably a little impatience is good if it's something really important. If you think about causes that people really feel like are are this has got to happen and no, we don't have time to go another year without it happening. There's some, there's some good impatience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, although, yeah, it's definitely, at, at times it's just because, oh, I want, at times on the flip side of it, it's like me saying, well, I need this thing, God. And it's just like the business deal we're talking about. How do I know I need that right now? I mean, you know, there's a lot of things my daughter wants that I, I wonder if that's really what you need right now. She, she's five. So, so I can have that perspective, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, so it just like, we, we are the child, right? We, we, the, we got that the toughest thing in the world is to trust God that, that doesn't take directions from you. It's so, it's so hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's super hard. Okay. Any other uh, thoughts, Karen? Yeah. I think one thing that can help with patience, especially with yourself and your own um, evolvement <laughs> is uh, to have to maybe shift your expectations because if you're thinking I should be blank by now, or, you know, I should be getting it more than I am or something um, that could just be like the expectation is not realistic or not accurate. Um, as long as we're in earthly life, we're pretty blocked. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just even just being here in a physical body um, it, we're not going to get all the way there and we're not supposed to. Um, it's, it's just a beginning of our uh, evolvement and we're just doing some basic, basic uh, preparing and getting started here in this world. Um, but we're not supposed to, you know, if you haven't become fully enlightened um, or, or feel frustrated that you seem to have uh, similar patterns going on, that's okay. And uh, Swedenborg says that Jesus, his whole earthly life was still going through these struggles of temptations and things. And that continued all the way until his death. And I think about that sometimes that, oh, you know, if I'm impatient that I'm supposed to be at peace and have, you know, always have the right motivation and, you know, whatever. um, I don't think that's the right expectation to have during this life. It's the expectation is just, I keep, keep trying my best and trust that God's working on the process. And only God knows at what pace it can work for us in, in our individual journeys. There's, we're so complex. There's so many elements to our spirits and God is working on all of them in a, in a very uh, careful order and things get evolved at, at a certain pace that that will work for us. So I think if you can just become more accepting of where you are and say, I do want the Lord's light in my life. And I trust that the Lord's working on that uh, and to not put certain expectations on what that should look like in my life. Exactly. But just trust it's happening. You want it. The Lord will get you there. Um, It's going to continue in the afterlife. So um, that can help. (laughs) The Jesus example is so crucial because I always forget that. But if I were to look at my life and where do I want it to go? Well, where did, how did Jesus's life go? He, you know, died at 33 violently. There's, I'm thinking of this particular line when he goes and gives some speech and it says most of his followers left him. 
<laughs> he was not succeeding. He had he had 12 main followers that one of them turned him into the authorities. The other one denied him three times to save himself. It it wasn't this glamorous thing. It didn't, if I'm thinking, how can my life get ordered so it's really working? How ordered was his life? Oh, from the beginning, when he was a baby, he had to get born out in a horse trough. It just seems like, right, what do, what do we know? And yet that life was accomplishing this amazing eternal thing. So how do we know what, what are, what's really, what is going well and what's not going well in our lives? Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. I want to add that just real quick that uh, even just looking at the external things Jesus was going through, Swedenborg says the whole Old Testament with all those battles that go on and on and on. And, um, that's what Jesus was dealing with internally. It's representing his inner life. And so it just earthly life, that's how it goes. <laughs> and um, But that's okay. That's uh, It's getting us places. It's accomplishing spiritual growth and purification even if we're not all the way there to peace yet yeah right so if you're struggling you're in good company uh, uh, i i appreciate that a lot karen um and i just want to add in my sympathy with erica i really have a problem with patience with myself with the people in my household with the drivers on the road like there's all kinds of levels of patience and uh that's a tough one so thanks, Karen. I'll try to have different expectations. <laughs> if somebody was trying to be patient about this show ending, they would be pointing out that we're two minutes over right now. Um, I could do this for quite a long time, um, but we're going to cut it off here. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching. Uh, I, I would, I guess, I can't say it's been a great year because we're talking about 2020, right? The uh, the global pandemic, right, is a problem, but. Uh, as far as like the Swedenborg in life and, and getting to do all this Swedenborg live with, with all of you at home, it has been a great year. I mean, I've just loved getting to hear all your questions. They've been so insightful. I've loved getting to hear all the answers for, from everyone on the panel. So, so thanks so much, everybody. Um, and thanks to people who donated today. We had four donors. We raised $150. It's going to go into our programming and we're very grateful for, for helping us launch into 2021 and, and what we'll do there. Um, I want to say we're going to be off for two weeks. There's a Christmas and then New Year's around here, and we're gearing up for this programming we're going to do in the New Year. So we're going to have our heads down for a little bit. Doesn't mean there's not tons of content on, on our channel all over the place. We'll be back on January 11th with a, an episode of Swedenborg and Life that's called CEOs Reveal the Spiritual Component of Running a Successful Business, which I'm very excited about that episode and, and all it could mean. Thanks, panel. That was that was a great uh, great conversation. Yep. Thanks, everybody. That was delightful, and I wish everybody a merry Christmas or whatever it is you celebrate at this time of year. Well, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for the wonderful questions and your wonderful presence there in the chat. It's a delight, and yeah, wishing you wonderful, blessed holidays. Yep. Thanks so much, everybody. I second everything Cara and Karen said. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and as a Christmas gift to us, Young at Heart just made a donation. So now we're actually at the to 180. Seriously, thank you. I know I know that money is a hard thing to let go of. And, and we, we take very seriously the responsibility of putting yours to good work. And, and we just love being in this with all of you. So thanks so much. Take it easy, everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll see you all the time. We'll, we'll be here all the time. And we, we just love hanging out. So, so I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs>